Hello, and welcome to a Marketing Experiments audio replay. You are about to hear an audio replay of a live presentation Dr. Foot McLaughlin delivered at Marketing Sherpa Email Summit 2010 in Miami. Marketing Experiments is an online marketing research laboratory. You can sign up to gain free updates to all of our research and content at marketingexperiments.com. Now, I'd like to welcome to the stage Dr. Flint McLaughlin. A lot of you know him from uh, your workshop, works, workshop sessions. There we go. Got it right second time. Um, yesterday, he is the director of MEC Labs, the parent company of uh, Marketing Experiments, Marketing Sherpa, and In Touch. He is also, and this one I've got to read because it's a mouthful, the director of enterprise research at the Transforming Business Institute at Cambridge University in the UK. He is the doctor of optimization, Flint McLaughlin. Thank you. I'm not sure what to say. I've never been called the doctor of optimization before. Sounds like a, maybe a disc jockey or a... Uh, we're going to get started. As you know, we have some bit of time delay this morning, and that is because our stage collapsed uh, at just the time we were about to start. We have fixed that, but we need to use our time as carefully as possible. How many of you were here yesterday in the four-hour workshop on email? Let me see your hands. Good. All over the building. Now, I'm going to ask you not to participate in the little test that we're going to start with. Because this morning, I actually worked through the entire presentation one more time and changed it thinking, you know, what can we do in truly about 35 minutes that would make a significant difference for the people that come back and that must go home and get a lift from the work that they've done here and from attending this event. Now, yesterday it was a challenge enough in four hours, but with this very short period of time, I've kind of got three thought movements that we need to move through to really help you so that when you go back, you can get something tangible. And I want to start by just making a simple point. And to do that, I want to show you three pieces of copy designed by leading agencies. You can see all three of those on the monitors. In a moment, I'm going to ask you some questions about them. So, I shall begin with the first one. I'd like you to tell me which design you think is most beautiful. Now, there are three designs, and aesthetic beauty is still a part of something that we do in our creative and so, we're going to number them, one, two, and three. I need you to hold your hand up with a number of fingers corresponding, one finger, two, or three, to which design you think is the most attractive. And as you vote, bear in mind that this is all being recorded and will be on your permanent school record from here forward. Just go ahead and lift your hand up and tell me which one it is. I see a lot of threes and some twos. Threes and twos, all right. Does anybody think one is attractive? Let me see the ones. Okay. The one thing I can say for certain is that marketers are not unanimous yet on this particular question. Let me ask you a different one. What design do you think has the best layout? Which is the best layout? One, two, or three. Just hold your hands up so we can move swiftly through that. All right, good. And now a final and more important question. If you were to test these three, each designed by an agency to outperform a control, which do you think will have the best performance? One, two, or three. Now, vote high. Let me see these for sure. And around the room, let's watch this and get a sense of what the audience is thinking. All right, I'm actually trying to see if there's consensus. Good. All right, so let's then go one step further. And uh, let's see the control. The designs by Agency A, Agency B, Agency C. And now let's see 
how they performed uh, as we conducted an experiment. This is the background. It's Test Protocol 1002. This is from our library of case studies and experiments. It's a home products company. The goal is to increase the amount of clicks through the email to the landing page. And this is the control a little larger. Agency A, Agency B and C, and stats. Let's back that up. There you go. So the good news is that Agency A managed to decrease click-throughs by 52%. Uh, agency B uh, was not as bad as Agency A, if that's good news. And Agency C, you can see the numbers. Uh, the truth is, all three of these attractive designs failed to improve performance. And I am not here to pick on agencies. We work with them every day, and they're very good agencies who do good work. But the real issue is that in many, many situations, we find ourselves in a room sitting down trying to determine which creative is going to perform best. We don't have the capacity every time to test. And often the person in the room with the most influence or authority determines what's going to happen in the design. Someone said that a camel is a horse put together by a committee. And very often our, our landing pages and our emails are like camels. And it kind of leads to, 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 to a thought process that's driving everything I want to do with you in the few moments that we have this morning. And that is simply this. We need to realize that best practices are not enough. It's essential to work within some form of a rigorous methodology. For a long time now, we've been watching the Internet begin to grow from the early days, even five years ago at the first Sherpa event. And the knowledge about optimization has increased. And yesterday when I showed one of these pieces of copy and I asked the audience to give me uh, an optimization suggestion, the first word that came out in the four-hour workshop was this, we need to get that call to action above the fold. How many of you have heard that before, the call to action above the fold? Now, if that is a valuable best practice, we need to follow it. But the truth of the matter is, in correlating hundreds upon hundreds of experiments, we found that that often has no bearing whatsoever on conversion. It's an accepted best practice. It comes from print mail, and it's even at best a generalization that does not apply into every situation. We've done some experiments since we last had this event across one billion emails to try and, and nail down a simple, tight, rigorous method that you could apply in your own situation. And I, I want to move towards that, but I want to kind of give you an example of why best practices can sometimes fool us. So let's look at another experiment. And uh, this is... Uh, from the research library, the partner is an e-commerce site focusing on special occasion gifts. They wanted to find the optimal send frequency for a segment of their email list. How many of you have questions in your own email about frequency? Let me see your hands. Are we doing it too much? Are we not doing enough? What's the optimum send rate in order to achieve the optimum amount of revenue? How can we keep from damaging the value of our list over the long term? They have the same questions. So we coordinated a study. And uh, we were basically trying to find the nexus between total revenue, unsubscribes, and optimal frequency. And uh, we determined uh, to take a segment of their list and to test at these frequency levels, three weeks, two weeks, ten days, a week, five days, three days, and two days. And having developed that, we essentially 
set up our cycle in a single factorial design and began the testing. Now, I have four frequencies here, one to two per month, three to four per month, six to nine per month, and ten to fifteen per month, and I really would like to get you to vote. If you are uh, the, the completion expert from a four-hour course yesterday, then you already know the answer to this question, and it's just another example of your shining brilliance. For the rest of you, however, I'd like you to kind of look at this and let me have you vote. Looking at these, one, two, three, or four, just hold up your fingers. What's the optimum frequency? And can we kind of get a pattern across the room? So just from uh, my teens, if you'll watch uh, the hands that are being lifted. I think the threes, uh, it's, either, it's, a, it's a cross between the threes and the twos. How many of you believe it's, it's number three? Let me see your hands. Just hold up your hand if you're number three. How many believe it's number two? Let me see your hands. Okay. And number one, I think two has it. Three to four per month. All right. Now, this is uh, essentially the design of the experiment. Let me just take you one step forward and show you what we've begun to see. Projected monthly revenue rose consistently with increasing sin frequency. And the amount of sins, and this is the part that's shocking, written in clinical language at the bottom of a slide, but actually rather remarkable, did not have a significant impact on the overall rate of transaction. If you get deeper into a data dive and study it, though projected unsubscribes went up, it was only proportionate to the number of sends, according to the ratio you'd expect when you send more emails with unsubscribe opportunities, you'll have more unsubscriptions. But the net growth was dramatic. So that... By increasing the frequency, there was a 300% increase in projected monthly revenue. Now, just stop and think about that for a moment. This is a group that was already sending what I would say, based on experience at least, too many emails per week. Way too many. I could have told you the outcome of this experiment before we started, but I would have been wrong. This is often the case. The reality is, the more we tested, the more uh, surprised we became. And listen, we ran data analysis that was uh, deep across multiple segments. And we did regression work and all kinds of data sets to try and understand. But here's what we discovered. If you send more email in this particular case, you're going to make more money. Now, keep sending it. Add the frequency. And these people are sending now almost one a day. Now, if you, if, you, if you come away from the first session of the Marketing Sherpa Email Summit and your main takeaway is that we need to start spamming all of our list as soon as we get back, I, I, you're missing the entire point of what I'm trying to say. I am not even advocating sending a more email, and I think there's still a brand impact that can't be measured in the study. I'm not saying it's right to do this, even though it might result in more at least short-term revenue. What I am saying is that when you sit down to solve a problem for one of your email programs or campaigns, you need something besides speculation, opinion, or even experience. Does that make sense to you? We need some form, some method, some way to really learn and to codify our learnings and to be consistent in all that we're doing. Now, at Marketing Experiments, we have a laboratory that conducts research on these things. We are the oldest laboratory on the Internet doing such work. And for this particular heuristic that you see on the board, we've tested more than one billion emails. 
If you are familiar with the group, you'll understand that this is uh, common to some of the things we teach. If you're new to hearing about marketing experiments or to looking at one of these formulas, this may surprise you. It could be considered a math equation, but more importantly, it is a heuristic and it is a thinking tool. And it is simply saying that the effectiveness of your email is a factor of relevance times the value of the offer plus incentive, as are all positive factors, minus the negative impact of friction and anxiety. Optimization does not take place on the body of the email or on the landing page. Optimization takes place in the mind. And the most important point here as you study this formula is not that it teaches you something about how to fix the body of your email, but rather that it focuses on the cognitive psychology involved in the process of the purchase. And I have a very short time, even shorter than normal this morning to spend with you, and we're going to do live optimization of your own emails in just a few moments. But I've asked myself a hard question. I've said, what can we do? How can we teach in a short period of time something that will do more than impress you God forbid, or entertain you, but will actually give you something you can go back and work with in your own campaigns. And so, I want to, I want to take that codification. Now, you can learn all about that. I'll, in fact, you can go to our booth and, and get uh, uh, data sets on this and reports. I'm not pushing the booth. I'm just saying, I can't teach this now, but I can take one key component from it and teach it in the time that we have. And I, I want to work on that. And that's the second thought movement, I am a philosopher by training and in my mind as I approach this whole session, I'm thinking about these thought movements and I think the second one we need is to extract a kind of simple principle from the email messaging optimization sequence, the formula that we just saw, so that we can apply it to our own campaigns and really get a lift. To do that, I want to look at that formula one more time and I want to draw from it something else a key principle, and I'm focusing on one element, the OF factor, the offer factor. Now, Stefan mentioned something that I taught at the B2B conference this past year, and the phraseology is the same, but the presentation is completely different. It wasn't about email. I'll show you the principle, and then we'll start to break it down. The principle can be summarized in simple terms. Clarity trumps persuasion. I would like to take the 15 minutes or so that I have left with you and turn it into a class and really drill this down and show you how that might impact the way you're designing the body of your email. And to do that, I'm going to have to get a, a granular and then we're going to look at it with live uh, pages. And so I have what we are looking for, first of all, something defined as external clarity. And we're going to look at external and internal clarity and that is the core of the learnings that we have in this brief time together. So what are we talking about when we talk about external clarity? Well, I think it, it, it's comprised of two questions. The first question is being absolutely clear in your own mind before you write your email copy, what is it I'm going to ask you to do? It is shocking to read email copy and to discover how hard it is to figure out what it is precisely that you're asking me to do because so many emails have conflicting messages have conflicting objectives. It becomes very difficult to discern the clear, concise move forward. And there's a second question that you've got to answer in the body of all your emails, and that is, why should you do it? 
Now, if you were just to take right now in this particular session and focus on one of your own emails and look at it tightly, you might be surprised to discover how we somehow muddle through these two questions and do not provide the crystal clarity necessary to get a true lift. Now, I'm going to help you with examples. And I want you to remember these two questions. And if you don't do anything else in terms of notes, but you take away this concept that clarity trumps persuasion, that this is not about becoming an expert in persuasive words and an expert in using the best new term and becoming a copywriting guru, but rather it's much more about achieving a kind of crystal clarity you'll see a magnificent difference in your email over and over and over again. And if you would take these two questions, because we're going to look at them and ask those questions in just a moment as we look at emails, and add them to two more that I'm going to show you, you'll have the heart of everything I'm trying to achieve in a very short period of time this morning. Let's uh, look at an example of what we don't want. Here is a company that has a subject line that says, A New Way to Order. Now, you can see there's some blur on their name. That's because we're uh, anonymizing the data set. But it is a new way to order as a subject line. And here is a better subject line. Now only two meal minimum order. Would you all agree that the second subject line is more specific than the first subject line? And would you agree that of all the changes you can make to uh, this particular email, changing the subject line is one of the easiest? So by taking your delete key and pressing it a few times and typing a few words in that are different, achieving more clarity, this little email campaign, which is actually a very large campaign, achieves a 25% lift. You can see the same thing if you look at another. This is a, another group. Thank you for making us your florist of choice. Now, the goal here is to make you feel appreciated and to get you to come back in order. Does everyone understand that? That has... A measure of clarity, but it does not crystallize the core offering of the, of the actual thank you note. So look at this subject line. 15% off our way of saying thank you. Again, a delete button and a few keys typed in and a 60% increase in revenue. How many of you would settle if you could go home and just get a 50% increase in revenue having attended this event? It's, it's, possible if we capture some of this and get it working into our campaigns. Now, this is all examples of internal clarity, and I want to kind of show you how this looks, or external clarity, when we move to the next key, and that is internal clarity. It's fascinating to me that part of the problem, one of the reasons they don't understand what we're saying is because we don't understand what we're trying to say. And I want to help you grasp how internal clarity works by giving you, yet again, two simple questions. The first one is this. What is my objective? I'm going to explain that most of the time we are unclear about the objective of our email. And a second question, what is the best way to achieve it? We're not just talking about uh, a way to do it. Drucker said that adequacy is the enemy of excellence. Rather, what we're trying to do is find the best possible way to achieve the right objective. When we send out our emails, we are often confused as to what is the best objective. To do that, you're going to ask yourself a question. You don't need to write these down, but you may want to. 
But these are more to make us think about what our objective is. What really is it that we're offering in the email? You may think that the offer is the product that you want to sell, when in reality, you are not trying to sell a product in the email. You're trying to sell the idea of getting more information because the real sell has to take place on the landing page. Listen, so many times we miss it because we take the email and we try to sell them in the body of the email and then we send them to a landing page and we try to sell them the same thing in the landing page. Either we did not sell them good enough on the first page, in which case we don't get them to the landing page, or we sold them well in the email and so they don't need the, the landing page sell approach. The goal of most emails should not be to sell anything. The goal of the email should be to get a click. People don't buy from emails. People buy from people. And people don't buy from landing pages. People buy from people. What you do with the email, essentially, is invite somebody to participate with you in a mental conversation. And that conversation takes place only when they can get to your landing page and you can adequately present what you're offering and engage them, anticipating their questions, anticipating their concerns, answering their questions, mitigating their concerns. So, when we try to do too much in our email, we often, we often diminish the impact. So many emails can be improved by slashing and burning. It's not a matter of getting the best copy. It's not a matter of changing the image. It's not a matter of the beautiful design. In many cases, it's a matter of taking a pair of electronic scissors and cutting... I don't know, profanity was about to escape out of my mouth... You need to cut much of that away and only give them a compelling reason to get to the page. Sometimes we tell them just enough so that they can decide on the email that they don't want to go to the page. If we told them less, they'd have to go to the page to find out more. We need to intrigue them. Because essentially what you're promising is, I can, you can find out the rest of this. You can see it all. You can get more. You can find if you qualify. You can see the discount if you click. And that kind of science is what you've got to apply to actually get it to work. Now, I've said this in, quickly in, in, as we go forward, so I'm just going to show you one example and then take you to a different uh, kind of a quick case study. So you don't want to do this. Do you see all the work? being performed in that email. If you look at it closely, it's telling you to click, it's telling you to call, it's telling you to come on in, it's giving you almost a full offer page and copy. It has a lot of work. It was designed by the same people that design magazine ads. And it looks like a magazine ad in your inbox. But we are not designing a magazine ad. We're using the email to invite them into a mental conversation with us. Now, I'll show you a version that got a lift, but please understand, even the version I'm showing you now could be improved dramatically. Sometimes what we can do is, uh, is restrained or constrained by what somebody in my class yesterday called the style police. How many of you have to deal with the style police? And you can't do everything that you want to do, but in this particular case, a 26% lift just by getting them essentially to have enough information to decide to get to the landing page where the real job can be done. 
Now, that email can be improved and you can get a dramatic lift. And you can also improve the landing page and get an even more dramatic lift. But the point is, don't shoot for the wrong objective in the email. Get internal clarity. What is my objective? What is the best way to achieve it? Does that make sense to everyone? Let me show you one more example and then let's go to live optimization in our remaining moments. So this is uh, an e-commerce site focusing on uh, special occasion gifts. This is the email design that uh, we were looking at as part of an email template experiment that ran over a period of six weeks and tested 28 different template designs. Here is version A. Notice that you have a special offering version A and then you have additional offers to the right or additional information. Here is version B. And here is version C. Now, I would say to you, honestly, I don't like any one of the three versions. I would like to redesign them all. But there is, again, a limitation. And if you notice the difference between the three, you'll start to get a sense of what we've been talking about. Version A, version B, version C. Everyone tell me, which version is producing the highest yield? Outstanding. You're actually listening and maybe I'm saying it, maybe it's... What does B mean? Why B? Tell me why. Say it again. Clarity trumps persuasion. Let's say that together. Clarity trumps persuasion. Version B has one clear objective, internally and externally, to get you to the landing page. It's a single, simple, clear call to action. It isn't cluttered. Version A has multiple things happening on the page. Version B has confusing navigation going on over here. Or, I'm sorry, version C. But version B produces 61.42% more revenue. That's a significant lift on a massive campaign for a template that drives millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in sales. That simple shift can have a huge impact on the profitability of the enterprise. So the key in this short time is not to learn uh, my abstract formulas and heuristics but to walk away with a simple thought that clarity trumps persuasion and that I need external clarity. The person who comes to my page needs to know what I'm asking them to do or sees my email and why they should do it. And I, the person who designs this campaign, this email body or this landing page, must have internal clarity. What is my objective and what is the best possible way to achieve it? Now, I have landing pages which I have not seen that you have submitted, I'm sorry, email copy. And let's apply this together. I want you to help us, help people who are attending this event by looking at their pages. So, that brings me to the third thought movement. We need to see this principle in action by participating in this live optimization session. And let's begin right now by looking at a piece of copy for a landing page. It's Timberland. Is there a person who submitted that in the room? They might be, oh, I see way back over there. Can we get a microphone over to that person? We might even need you to, could you stand up for us? We sold out for this event and it's, 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 the room is kind of deep. And let's get a microphone to the Timberland person. Can you, can you tell me your first name? Go ahead. Tell us your name. Adriana. Okay. And Adriana, were you in the course yesterday? No. Okay. Well, then, then you're fair game. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, okay. Did you personally design this email? No. That's the right answer. <laughs> Very good. All right. What is the objective of this email, Adriana? Uh, Click-throughs. Click-throughs. 
Alright, so the goal here is to get them to click through. Let's apply our criterion. Let's look for, first of all, internal clarity. So your objective is to get them to click to the website. Is that all? Uh, well. And then to sell by once they get there. But your main goal is to get them to the website. Is that correct? Yes. Alright, and um, uh, then let's back up and let's look for external clarity. When you see this email, does it make it really clear what it is they want you to do? Yes or no? No. Okay. And uh, if they, if, let's, let's give them the point, let's give them that as a, let's say that it was clear. Is it very clear to you why you should click through and why you should do it with Timberland rather than anyone else or any other site? Is it? Listen to me. The true value that you need to communicate when you answer why is wrapped up in a single question, and that is this. If I am your ideal customer, why should I purchase from you rather than any of your competitors? Some of you have heard that until you're weary of hearing it, right? Because it is the key. If I am your ideal customer, why should I purchase from you rather than any of your competitors? And if you cannot answer that, you've not given me a sufficient reason. In this particular case... It's very specific to this email. I am sitting at my desk. I received 72 marketing messages over five days. Big ones, important, serious marketing messages if I'm the average person. In addition to that, I may receive 300 to 700 emails per day. Yours comes in. It doesn't particularly distinguish itself from all the others. It actually looks like a web page that was sent to me in my inbox. Men, women, kids, customized Timberland Pro. Doesn't look like a letter. Doesn't look like a personal address to me. Doesn't communicate with me or take advantage of what email is. Email, folks, is not a magazine within which you can run your magazine ads. It is the opportunity to establish conversation. And the goal of this email should be to talk to me in a way that will get me to visit the website. And you need to give me a reason to go to your website. And taking 10% off my next purchase isn't very strong, hardly credible, doesn't seem like much, barely covers the tax, and everybody's offered me 20% this and 30% that and 40% this. I don't see anything in there distinctive about Timberland, and they are distinctive, and they are a good company, and there is a good reason. There's nothing relevant or specific to me that gives me a solid reason why I should click through. And what's more, it has four categories that make no sense to me and four calls to action down at the bottom. Really, those are four calls to action because I see three pairs of shoes and one shirt. It isn't even like it's four different distinct categories of clothing. I have to look at this and try to make meaning out of it. And that is far too much unsupervised thinking. I won't know for sure what it is you want me to know because you're not guiding my thoughts. And once I get there, I have to determine where to click. And every time you stop that forward momentum by making me try to figure out what to do, you're losing customers. What we need is an email that's very relevant to my need, that's designed to tell me what it is I can do, why I should do it in a clear way that does nothing more than get me to the website where you engage me into a conversation in my mind and bring me the rest of the way towards the purchase. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you following me? All right, so now I'm going to look at a different one. And as I look at this next email, I need you to help me. So here we are. Live optimization, the company is in Debco. Are you here in the room? Right over here. And she's up front this time. Hope, I've never seen you run like that. It's very good. Hope is uh, one of the geniuses at Marketing Sherpa that makes all the 
She works on all the content from one of these events. She's also our resident Vanna White. Uh, sorry, Hope. <laughs> all right, so tell me your name. Maya Khalife. Okay, and what is the objective of this email? To make to make to make requests for quotations online over our product e-catalog. I almost heard that, but I wasn't clear. What did she say? To to make what now? Requests for quotations. Requests for quotes. Requests for quotes. Okay, excellent. All right, so that's the objective of the email: is to get them to your website. Exactly. To request a quote. Exactly. Very good. All right, now. Look at this email with me in the audience and tell me, what would you do? Think about two things now. Clarity comes persuasion, internal and external clarity. Four questions. What can I do here? Why should I do it? And then the internal questions. What's my objective and what's the best way to get there? All right. Thinking about those four questions, looking at the email, tell me how to fix this email. Just call it out and I'll, I'll, I'll work with you. Let me, I'm going to come down. Well, I better stay up here where you can see me. What's, what's one thing you would do to make the email better? Say it again, louder. All right, hold up a hand and say it. That way I can, you right there, go ahead. Single call to action. He's right. We need a single call to action. And on the website, we need to get the multiple opportunities there after it's been explained in a way with absolute clarity. What else? Somebody else tell me, what would you do? Yes. There's no incentive, someone says. All right, good. Give me, someone else, tell me, what would you do? Yes. Is this email originally in, supposed to be in English or was it another language? Well, this campaign, we did it for companies located uh, across Arab uh, region, the Arabic region, okay. Persian calls, okay. Middle East. Was it in English though or was it uh, originally? Did you send it in English or did you just translate it for us? We sent it in English. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. He brings out a valid point. He said there's a lot of English grammar mistakes. Uh-huh. And so just the pure, the copy itself needs to be studied so that it's, it's more compatible from an English standpoint and has more credibility. Yes, back there. The why is absolutely not clear. Uh-huh. Why you should do it. Someone else. Exactly. Someone else. Anyone else? Yes. Pardon? What is the value proposition? It's not clear, back mm-hmm. to the why, what the value proposition is. Yeah. All right, so... Let me try to help you in the few short moments that we have to make it better. And then you can go to our booth and have someone talk to you some more about it because I'm going to run out of time. Is that okay? All right. Uh, The first thing that you've done right up here is you're trying to connect with me on a personal level. Make sure that that's a real name that goes in there and that it's not one of those dear uh, and and the name that comes afterwards is ridiculous. It's the middle name, the last name, the wrong name. Then a first line of paragraph is all right. But once you've done that, if the goal is to get me to request a quote, you need to do two or three things. First, you need a headline. There's no headline. Yeah. The headline's job is to stop me, not to sell me. It doesn't sell the product. It doesn't get me to the web page. It stops me and makes me read the header or the subheader and the first paragraph of text. I need a strong, compelling headline that tells me something fascinating enough, intriguing enough, or promising enough that I'll go ahead and invest the next five seconds into your subheader and first paragraph. And even though it's letter format, you can still have a headline. I would also, and I would recommend this for many of you, I would use a subject line like you traditionally do, but also at the top of this kind of email, I would have another subject line in the body text that said something like RE colon. Uh, 
the uh, most comprehensive quote database on the internet. Or uh, it's time for your second this or that. A deep connection with them in the subject line, in the body, above the headline. Then I would drive them into the, into the first paragraph, and the first paragraph gives you essentially the rest of your seven seconds, because you have seven seconds to answer two questions. What is it that you want me to do here? And to start answering why. Why do you want me to do it? I don't see anything in this email that makes your company or your quotes or what it is that you're offering compelling enough to stop me long enough to make me invest the time to get to the website. In short, right. once you've done that, you, 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 you add your single call to action. But in, but in short, you don't want to optimize this email. You want to get a match and burn it up and start over, okay? And you'll get better results, all right? Thank you you very much. Thank you very much. All right, so um, we have time, I think, to do one more. Would you like to do one more optimization, actually looking at an email? Is, Is this help you get the principles? Um, they're asking to, to shorten the lunch, but I, the thing is, I really like to eat. And I, um, what we might be able to do, I, I tell you why we have the longer lunches, because so many people want to meet and connect with each other. But what we might be able to do is to, is to have another session where I could do, how many of you, would, if we could figure out on the program a way to do more of the live optimization, would like to do more of this? Let me just see your because we need, we have to change something in the program. Just, Okay. All right, it might be that we can find another time slot to, to do more. Let's do one more. I do appreciate um, your focus. <laughs> all right, so let's look at this third email. All right, it's, it's McAfee. We're all familiar with it. It's live optimization. Take a quick look. Who's the person? Who's, is McAfee in the room? There, right on the front again. Uh, all right, so let's quickly uh, get a microphone, and we're going to do some things to get internal clarity. What is the objective of this email? Go ahead and tell us. It's essentially to have the customer click and renew their subscription. You want them to renew their subscription. All right. Mm. All right. Looking at that particular email, what is your first name? Cynthia. Oh, Cynthia? Cynthia. Cynthia. Okay. All right. So looking at that email, let's help her and let's also think about these principles so we can help each other. What would you do to make this email more compelling? Change the center button? Is that what you said? Yes. The four lines in a lateral fashion create four competing pieces of information side by side is the point that's being made. Uh, And we'll talk about that. Someone else? Yes. You would change the word service notification. Yeah. Sounds too officious. So, regarding the point um, um, with regards to the button, yeah. um, I think we've had some creative challenges and we really don't know exactly where to place it. Yes. And with regards to service notification, um, that was actually um, the legal department actually made us put that on there. So. <laughs> now we. We, we have, have a lot a of special, restrictions. <laughs> Marketing Sherpa has a special service that, that might be able to help you. And this is where we actually uh, have assassins who go after various legal, 
that get in the way of hardworking marketers. And if you need to, just see us afterwards. And uh, Will do. All right. So uh, one more point from the floor. Yes. He says you're not highlighting the risk associated with letting your subscription lapse. And it's a very important point. I have little time. It's absolutely right. So I'm going to redesign this rapidly in like a minute and a half, and then I'm going to wrap it up. So listen to me. The first thing we don't have is a, a, a proper subject line. And let me tell you how to beat the legal department on this particular piece. I'm going to say something that might be counterintuitive. Make the email very officious. Make the email feel like it has nothing to do with sales, but rather it's a kind of customer service email sent to you because you're you're, we assume that you obviously don't want your, your subscription to, to elapse and thus expose your computer to all of these risks. Highlight the urgency of responding soon because there is an increasing threat to your computer system. Talk to them with a subject line above the dear first name that says something like RE notification. Uh, your internet is, uh, uh, you know, uh, your, let me see, your virus coverage is about to elapse. Uh, or threats to your computer system might be a great subject line, threats to your computer system, then get them into that first paragraph. In the first sentence, tell them why they're receiving this. Let them know that they are already a subscriber uh, to the system and that uh, this is a courtesy notice to try and get them to renew before their coverage, or, or whatever the word you use officially, elapses. Then intensify the urgency of responding soon. And if this is your first notice, second notice, or third notice, as you get close to your... To, to your later emails, call it final notice and highlight the increasing risk. Do the whole thing in that kind of language that suggests you're really just trying to protect them and help them. Then make your call to action. Forget that whole renew here for one year. and you're, Don't even use that in the email body. You're asking me to make too big a decision too fast. You're asking me to kiss you and haven't been on a date with you yet. Get me to the landing page and... Even though I know you, obviously we've done something, but you need to get me to the landing page where you can actually help me. And when I get there, know who I am. You got the email. Know who I am. Show me where I'm at. Show me how easy it is. And say something to me like, renew your coverage in just one click. Boom. If you can, make it as easy as possible. And so this is all going to be about increasing the urgency, emphasizing the ease. How many of you find it's annoying to have to go back and renew this stuff? That more than the cost, you just don't like messing with it. Isn't, isn't that true? So you want to make it as friction-free as possible. Both in the email, tell me it's urgent, but tell me it's easy to fix this problem. Get me to the landing page, make it super easy, and all you've done is serve me. As marketers, the more we serve, the, actually the better our campaigns will be. I have one hand back there I'm going to take before I close. Yes. So you said use RE in the subject line and not as, not in the subject line of the email and the body. Okay. Above that above that part where it says dear so and so. Okay. Those so really help. And I like to connect this to the reason they're getting it. You know, let them know they're a customer, that type of thing. All right, I am out of time. I want to turn the floor back over to Stefan or whoever I should in just a moment. I want to thank you very much. Oh, one thing I'm supposed to show you. Take me to the last slide, uh Here's, here's what you can do to get more information that will help you. Uh, and I'll just, at, at the end of the optimizations, uh, John, there it is. Marketing experiments. This is not a promotional piece. It's not a white paper. It's a series of experiments you can get. We printed 
less than we have for the total audience because we actually had a big spike in attendees. You have to get to the booth to get a copy of this report that lays out the experiments that will help teach you parts of this that I couldn't get to today. It's at the Marketing Experiments booth. The second thing is we knew that I would not, we, we didn't expect that time would be this short, but we knew that in 40 minutes, 45, we couldn't do a lot. So we're having, to your point, at the very least, we're, we're inviting everyone to a clinic. Again, it's not a sales, it's just a pure clinic where I'm teaching the rest of this optimization formula and how to make it work in your email. It's free, but you have to register for it. You need to get to the booth to register for that, and then it's a web clinic. You can come online from wherever you're at, and I'll teach more there. And the third thing is that many of you have questions about your own campaigns. Go there, and they can show you how to get a custom report where somebody will study your campaign and help you get an increased performance in it. I think I did my part. Steph and I turn it over to you, and I'm done. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this audio replay of a presentation Dr. Flint McLaughlin delivered live at Marketing Sherpa Email Summit 2010 in Miami. If you'd like to hear more about our research and content, please sign up for the Marketing Experiments Journal on marketingexperiments.com. You'll get free updates to all of our content and research throughout the year. Thank you.